Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Fitter, Healthier Dad podcast, where you can learn how to improve your diet, lose fat, and get fitter in a sustainable and fun way without spending hours in the gym. Here is your host, Darren Kirby. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is the number one podcast for dads in their 40s who want to improve their health and fitness. This is episode 82, and on today's show, we are joined by TV presenter Ben Shepard. Ben is passionate about people, their lives, their stories, and their challenges. With a genuine warmth and ability to bring out the best in others, Ben is one of Britain's most popular TV presenters. Ben also lives with his wife, Annie, and his two sons, Jack and Sam. Hi, Ben. Thanks very much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? Very good, thanks, Darren. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Very well, thank you. So, um, obviously, you know, with uh, the time that we're in right now, it's very uh, challenging for a lot of people at home. How how has the pandemic and things like that changed your kind of daily routine? Um, well, I've been fortunate in that I've I've carried on working even through the first lockdown, um, right. which was much more restricted than this one. Obviously, yeah, um, we carried on broadcasting from the studio, which was huge benefit to me because mm. I'm I'm not very good uh, when I've got nothing to do. i uh i need to be busy i need to be occupied um so you know short of the family being around a little bit more and and not being able to travel as much i've been able to keep working which is which is which has had um which has meant that i've been able to keep on a relatively even keel i uh i find it a bit of a struggle if i'm not able to work i'm not able to stay occupied i'm not able to stay busy i think one of the reasons i train as much as I do and I keep myself uh, as physically fit is as much my mental balance as it is my physical balance. Um, So, and I find it much harder this time around as well. I find I have found this lockdown um, much trickier to, to navigate because that maybe because, you know, we had a little bit of freedom and and things Mm. opened up a little bit and then for it to close down. And I mean, it's a lovely day today. But the weather's been so much more harsh, hasn't it? And, and yeah. darker and colder and wetter. So alleviating that mood and thinking about trying to hold on to the hope that things will get better has been yeah. has been harder to grasp. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you, you make a good point there about the weather. I think last time when it was a full, real hard lockdown, we were very fortunate with the weather that we had, which is you know unusual for the UK. And it meant that the time that we did get to go outside once a day enabled us to kind of enjoy that, you know, mm. get the sunlight and everything else. Now, whereas, you know, this time of year, traditionally anyway, even if we were free to move around, we're less inclined, aren't we, to go out perhaps mm. and just kind of take that walk. And um, I think it takes a lot of effort actually to kind of force yourself to go out there. So yeah, you know, you, yeah. you've obviously been quite prolific in terms of a lot of training and sports you've done. So what really does to, does kind of health and fitness mean to you personally, Ben? You've obviously mentioned there's a lot of the mental side of it, which really helps you. But generally in day-to-day life, what does health and fitness mean to you and specifically the family? Um, I think it means being able to get up, being able to face whatever's thrown at me, being able to function 
efficiently, mm. uh, being able to tackle any problems, whether they be physical or mental or professional. Yeah. Um, it means being resilient. It means uh, being able to enjoy any opportunity that comes my way, being able to set myself challenges, being able yeah. to embrace a challenge. Um, it means everything. I've got two boys that are teenagers, they're 15 and 13. And I think one of the things that is absolutely vital is uh, being an example to them. A yeah. lot of their lives, and, and I'm sure lots of the listeners to your podcast will have kids that are spending eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours on a screen at the moment because mm. homeschooling is all on the screen. The boys sit down upstairs, I think at about just before nine o'clock. They break for a bit at half 10, they break for a bit at lunch and they're there till four o'clock every day. Mm. But of course, their downtime, they want to watch YouTube or they want to play yeah. a game. So yeah. suddenly they're back on their screen so that they're not off those screens. And I think, you know, my eldest Sam, who is, um, he discovered running in the first lockdown, thanks to one of his really good friends, who's a great runner and he got himself awesome. on Strava. And this lockdown, he said to me yesterday, dad, I'm 10 kilometers away from running a hundred kilometers in January. Wow. So he has, yeah. And he didn't run before the first lockdown. He's absolutely fallen in love with running. Awesome. He's just been absolutely incredible at sort of being self-motivated and motivated by his friends. He goes out running. He feels great. He's 15, so he's much more conscious of his physicality. He looks great. He, yeah. he's, I think he enjoys that side of things. Um, and, and sort of health and fitness for me is wanting to be a, a sort of a, an influence on the boys in a positive way. Mm. Um, and I can see now that, that Sam, who is sort of emotionally uh, older than his little brother. He age-wise is older, but emotionally he's much older, 15 and 13. I think he says a big leap. Um, and that really feels like it's influenced him just in terms of he sees me training quite hard and he wants to train hard. And we train together now, you know, awesome. and he's getting fitter and stronger. He's already bigger than me, which is really blooming <laughs> annoying. And he beats me in the park on the runs now, which never happened before. Mm. And, it, and, and as much as it irks the competitive side of me, I'm incredibly proud of him. The tricky thing is the younger one mm. loves team sports. Like I've always loved team sports okay. and isn't motivated to do the stuff on his own. Mm. So I'm trying to find the path to help him find his mojo, yeah. his motivation. Sam found his through his mates, fortunately. Yeah. Um, so coming back to what health and fitness means to me, it means, it means sort of being able to do all those things for me, but also keeping an eye on the boys and, and helping them navigate this path which yeah. is something that no one's had to do. No, no, you know? true. And I, and I think, you know, a big, a big factor that you've mentioned there, obviously your eldest has picked it up from his friends, his peers. And I think peer group is such an important, mm. plays such an important part on the development because, you know, as parents, we can, we can tell them or we can kind of guide them as much as we possibly can. But like you've already identified, you know, they learn by example. And this is something that I've learned from my two boys as well. Um, you know, if, if you can set that example and not try and drag them along with you, they will unconsciously start to be inquisitive and pick that up. Right. And they will start to kind of think, oh, this is, in, you know, this is in interesting. I might want to have a go at this. Or yeah. and for me, I think as well, it's, it's about having that variety. It's giving them, showing them that, like you said, you know, there's individual sports, there's team sports. Uh, and, and giving them that opportunity to try it all, right? And then they might resonate with, with something. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm a massive, massive fan of parkrun. We live right by a park and there's a parkrun that goes right outside our house. 
And for a couple of years, I was desperately trying to get the boys to come on park run with me. So it's five kilometer run just around the park. And I, I dragged them out on the odd occasion. We started, I remember, and we kept a note. We started the first park run we went on took us 37 minutes, right? right? But we got around it. It was great. And all I used to say to them was, don't think about how hard it is and how much you don't want to do it at the start. Try and think about how great you feel when it's finished. Yes. Okay. As the incentive. So your, yeah. To your point of you know, dragging them out and forcing them to do things, they have to find their own way. And it was a real battle. We did it on and off for those couple of years. And it was such hard work. And it was but every time we walked back home from the park, yeah. then, they were full of beans and they were chatting and they'd really enjoyed it. The process they hated, the start of it, the whole thing mm. was agony. And, and me dragging them out was just, you know, it's the last thing I want on a Saturday morning is to be having a fight with them. Yeah. But I knew what they get from it. OK, yeah. so now cut to two years later and Sam has found his own way to running. Yeah. He runs a sub 20 minute park one now. That's crazy. In, you know and and is and it and i find that inspiring now he's now inspiring me to want Mm -hmm. to train more um and i think it's such a pertinent point in that i think you've got to as you say offer different ideas to them different ways for them to be able to keep fit and stay healthy yeah but they need to find their own path at the same time. Yeah. Because if you try and do what I did, which was just, I was desperately trying to crowbar them into the <laughs> idea that they're going to love this. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. And it just, other than the walk home, which was great. And when it was done, it was great. It was such hard work from the Friday night yeah. when I was going, right, we're all getting up for park one. It'll be brilliant. No dad, why are we going to do that? And bear yeah. in mind, I get up ridiculously early. So the last thing I really want to do is even get up for a nine o'clock. Park <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. just know how great I feel afterwards. And I'm yeah. desperately trying to, incentivize them with that but you know they're they're teenagers they live in the moment they don't think about what's happening in no. 30 minutes time they're thinking about right here right now this is the worst thing in the world being dragged mm. out of bed being taken off my ipad and being forced to put my trainers on on a yeah. saturday morning um <laughs> yeah. regardless of what it might mean in half an hour's time when we walk home and, and we're having a laugh yeah and i think that's the, the the frustration that you get as a parent you yourself know the, the benefits the real benefits at the end of it right but yeah unfortunately they don't yet have that experience or or that wisdom to understand what that is and like you say it's like crowbarring them but yeah i i mean we, we were we were doing park runs as well and and i think it's an age thing as well you know my youngest finley who's now 10 when he was seven he was you know all up for doing a park run but as they they grow older you know they, they start to kind of pull away or they start to try and find mm. their own path and they, they yeah. become less motivated to do what you want to do um, yeah, less inclined to spend time with their old man they'd rather be with their mates killing yeah. people on the internet essentially yeah. that's what i found <laughs> yeah definitely yeah i completely agree with that but coming back to to kind of like your younger days ben when you know when you were at school and university and stuff like that kind of how big of a part did sport play for your life and what kind of got you into it in the first place uh, so i was um I went to state school mm-hmm. to the age of about 11 yeah. and through the eighties when there was a big drop off in any sort of extracurricular activity sporting mm. wise. So I had very little, if any sport at school okay. uh, during the week, but I did play rugby. My local rugby club was Woodford rugby club where I played from the age of four up to, to probably 24 maybe. Right. Um, and I loved it. Our life revolved around the rugby club but I didn't have much of an outlet beyond that. 
because okay. they just I played a little bit of football for the Cubs, the Cub yeah. Scouts, but we had no football team, nothing at school. I changed school at 11 and I was very lucky um, because um, I was able to get a music scholarship. And I went to my brother's school at 11, mm -hmm. which was a public school in Chigwell. And suddenly the world of sport and the opportunity of exercise just exploded in front of me. Yeah. Um, I was playing football Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays and rugby on a Sunday. We'd have PE classes twice, twice a week in the summer term. It was all athletics or it was cricket if you want to do cricket cricket was I, I never had the patience for cricket I need to be running around and hitting stuff or chasing stuff yeah. or sweating um so it was more athletics for me and jumping long jump high jump those sorts of things but the being able to play sport was such a crucial factor I think if you were to go back if I was to go back and and I think it's these things are assessed a lot better now I was probably um I was probably within the realm of being uh, a bit hyperactive, a bit ADHD. My wife maintains that I still am now. I have my, my focus is, <laughs> yeah. I have to be, I have quite a lot of energy that I need to burn off. Right. I think I was a nightmare for my mum and dad. I was the youngest <laughs> of three as well. So right. of course, you know, they've got the other two to worry about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, academically I was, I was okay. I worked hard. I had to work hard to sort of maintain the standards, but where I really, really thrived and where I really found my calling and my joy and my passion was on a sports field and right. it didn't matter what the sport was. I loved football. I loved rugby. I just loved being surrounded by people that wanted to do stuff. And that could have been one of my mates saying, let's go for a run. Mm. Or it could have been a few of my mates saying, let's have a kick about yeah. or let's go to the gym. And um, I just, you know, I lived for it. I absolutely lived for football at school right. and then rugby on a Sunday and it governed everything that I did you know I think it was the incentive from my parents if you want to play football this weekend you've got to do your homework you've got yeah. to do that and it was such an important part of my life that I wasn't willing to compromise I didn't want to not do it I look at my it's so funny I watched the boys not Sam so much but Jack when he was a bit younger and some of his mates and like even if my leg was hanging off I still had to play football I'd have pulled yeah. the muscle out of but I refused to acknowledge that I was injured because I just couldn't bear the idea of not being on the pitch yeah. and I see the boys now and I kind of look at them and and sort of they take a bit of a hit in rugby or they you know and they've probably got every reason to say I need to sit this bit out but yeah. they would choose to sit it out and it still irks me now I'm like why you why would you not want to be in the midst of <laughs> yeah. getting amongst it right on top of it yeah. and uh it was so it was i guess around the age of 11 where the world of sport exploded to me and that was when i changed school mm. um and i i've i i've never looked back really just in terms of my appreciation of the value of 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 sport as uh as a means of exploring who i am yeah and sort of emotionally and physically helping me I know I, I appreciate much more now, of course, how important it is to my mental well-being. Yeah. And it is far more important. Back then, it was just my it was my reason to be, really. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, at a younger age, it's more about kind of the the, the kind of um, camaraderie between your teammates and getting involved, mm. being part of something that you maybe don't are not that conscious of. That's what it is. But you want to be around your mates, like you said, with your your sons, they want to be around their friends. Yeah. Um but then obviously, as we get older, you know, I never used to think that, that sport or fitness was connected to mental health. I now realize it plays a massive part 
in that. And I think it's only the awareness that's being raised now that people are starting to kind of draw those parallels. But um, yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, it's kind of, you go through an evolutionary process with fitness, I think, you know, from, from early ages to when you, you get older, you, you have an, a different an appreciation for it. I mean, I do, and we'll talk about a little bit about this later on, is around movement is a big thing for me now and functional movement. And mm. I know you were talking to the guys on Kales- uh, the School of Calisthenics about um, yeah. handstands and all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, so it, I think it's an evolutionary process, but I think it's, it's hugely important to kind of make sure that we're making time for it really and I know, you know, a lot of dads that I speak to, they sometimes feel a little bit guilty if they perhaps haven't had a history of sport. They feel a little bit guilty about actually putting that into their daily schedules and taking time away from the family because they feel that they should be there for the family. But I actually think that you'll, you know, that's perhaps making you show up as a better parent or as a better partner if you are able to take that time away and, and take time out and, and kind of, you know, do something you enjoy. Yeah, I, uh, unquestionably. I mean, it was a big part of my dad's life. He was a big, he was really, really into rugby. So we, that, so the rugby club was yeah. a huge part. And my sister got dragged along, whether she liked it or not. <laughs> Ironically, many years later, my sister started playing rugby at university. So me and my brother played from the age of four all the way through. My brother still plays. I think he finally retired last year when he broke <laughs> his ankle at the age of 48 or 49. But my sister started playing rugby at university and ended up playing for England women. Um, and in a very short space of time was far more successful than me and my brother ever were (laughs) over that sort of long evolution of our careers. But when it, yes, you're right. When it's woven into the fabric of your life as a, as a child growing up, then it stands to reason if you've enjoyed it and it's been a good part Mm. of your life, you're going to take that forward. Annie, my wife's family as well, really, really big rugby family. So that was a very simple Mm. addition. One of the interesting things, I guess, for my boys though, is when they were growing up, um, when they were at their smaller schools and the, the, the advent of mini rugby and rugby is such, I think is such an incredible sport yeah. in terms of what it teaches boys and girls that play rugby mm. uh, uh, about teamwork, about respect, about camaraderie, about self responsibility, um, about rules and regulations. I think, I think it's an extraordinary sport. Mm. Genuinely. I think it really is. Uh, I think it's a more of a, a moral code for life that you learn, yeah. not just the sport itself. I was always working on a Sunday because I hosted um, a show on Sky Sports, a football show with Cammy yeah. with Chris Kamara from the from 2010 up till 2008. So for all the way through the rugby and football season, I was working on Sundays. A lot of mini rugby happens on a Sunday, of course. Yeah. And the boys weren't particularly keen. Annie wasn't willing to drag them down right. there when it was freezing cold on the touchline. I was working and I think it was something that I would have been very happy to do to stand there yeah. on a cold touchline and drag them out because I understand those first few years are fun because it's all new. And then there's a bit in the middle where it gets a bit trickier because you're trying yeah. to work out how the skills go. But if you stick with it, the enjoyment from the team aspect becomes such a fundamental part of who you are. By the time you get to 15, 16, 17, 18, that's when it, that really accelerates. Yeah. But they never got that. So they didn't do right. it. So actually bizarrely for me because i'd always envisaged that the boys would be rugby players yeah they aren't rugby players at all and right. sam is six foot three he's 15 wow. he's six foot three he's an absolute <laughs> wagon he's the sort of player every kid wants on their yeah, team right exactly but but i think he was always quite intimidated by his size mm. 
mm-hmm. and the expectation that people had because he was mm-hmm. the big lad. Yeah. Give it to the big lad. He'll go. And and he wasn't. Whereas I would have thrived in that sort of environment. I want the responsibility. I want to go and do it. Yeah. He sh- he sort of shrunk away a little bit, and it was it's been quite an interesting sort of experience for me and my wife, but mostly me because Annie's much more empathetic towards those things where I'm a bit like, get on with it. Yeah. Is understanding that it comes back to your point that the route that they find, the sport that they find, the enjoyment they get from their health and fitness is something they have to find themselves. They've got to, they've got to get there on their own merits. And if I'd forced it on them Mm. as I, and I couldn't do that because I was working, but with the running I tried, then they will, they will push back against it. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I can see, I can see how, what, you know, I can, what Sam's doing now, the eldest, he's setting up a pattern for the rest of his life. He's got into yeah. a routine and he's really enjoying it. And that's something that stay with him. I need to, the frustration for Jack is because school's not happening. Yeah. There's no team sports. He can't no. play. For, and he loves playing. He'll play football all day long with his mates at school mm. and school team and all that sort of stuff. That's not happening. So he's really missing out on that side of things. And the idea of him going for a run, the idea of him doing any solo sport yeah. is just absolutely never going to happen. Yeah, it's it's interesting though, isn't it? It's interesting how, you know, you mentioned there about your two boys. My two boys are similar in so much as Callum, who's the eldest, is very much a solo sports person. You mm. know, he, he likes doing stuff like that. Whereas Finley, who's the youngest, he's 10. He loves doing team sports. Anything team. with team sports, he's into it. So it's, it's an interesting interesting parallel. But I think I, I really agree with you on the rugby side of things in, in the sense that rugby is so much more than just the actual game. It's, yeah. it's the respect. It's the togetherness. You know, it's the discipline. You know, that is – and that, for me, is what stands out amongst football. If you compare the two sports, I, you know, I, Finley, who does football, that it's just a completely different way – or a completely different structure in the way that they play. Uh, and, and obviously, and, 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 but just all the other you know, bits surrounding it as well. Um, There's a, I think that the, the, the way I, the way I've looked at it over the years and, and I've played high level, I've been lucky enough to play high level football and high level rugby, not professionally, but sort of yeah. quite close to it. You know, one, one brilliant footballer on a team can win a game for his team. Yeah. One brilliant rugby player can't win a game of rugby. It, you, it helps having a brilliant rugby player, but there has to be a collective team yeah. that wins a game of rugby. Yeah. You know, you yeah. you often can have giant killings in the world of football. We see it in the FA Cup all the time. It's fabulous. Yeah. It's one of the thing, reasons we love. That very rarely happens in the world of rugby because the collective team, because, you know, collective team can play Mm. Uh, when they play well together on a rugby team they're they're sort of incredibly difficult so that's I think that's the way that I've always looked at it it hasn't stopped me do, do you know what I mean it hasn't stopped me loving football and being part no. of the world of football as well but there is a fundamental difference between um, those two sort of moments within the sport yeah um, football can be a bit more individual yeah absolutely yeah I agree so so obviously when you had the the boys when they were a lot younger how did that change your um ability or desire to kind of go out and do sport or is it is, is it just been maintained throughout that the whole process really well I, um yeah it's been maintained the the the, the 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 thing that's impacted my physicality has been the slow disintegration of my body right. as i hit middle age um <laughs> things not healing as quickly and injuries becoming more prevalent prevalent i've always and annie's always understood this 
that I need to be doing stuff. I need to be running, hitting, kicking, yeah. punching, tackling, yeah. jumping, whatever it is, uh, because I'm more balanced. Everything's a bit calmer. I can cope mm -hmm. with things better. And I think one of the things, I mean, you made the point that it's difficult that some dads that haven't had that within the fabric of their lives, maybe feel guilty about going mm. off and doing an individual pursuit or something uh, with a team because they should be with the family. I can understand that, but equally the time with the family for me is so much better enhanced. If I've had a moment to go off and blow that steam off and, and be with yeah. my peers or be with some mates to have a bit of a laugh and then come back. Um, so I've always prioritized it. It's always been a priority for me. And as long as, you know, I've been very lucky because my wife's very understanding in that capacity, but we're always organized as long as I'm organized enough. And that's yeah. one of the things I think is crucial. Organize your time. So, you know, it has to be a priority. I'm 46 now. Yeah. And it's it's as important now as it ever was. And it's probably, you know, my body is is needs it more than it ever did, mm. you know, because it was so easy through your 20s. You could drink what you liked. You could eat what you liked. <laughs> yeah. You could get zero sleep and still go and play a great yeah. game of rugby or go for a run or whatever. That's not the case anymore. I'm much more aware of of the the sort of the need for my body to rest in order yeah. to to deal with the demands of of work, long hours, being on my feet a lot, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so prioritizing it and organizing it into my day yeah. is something that I think is is really really important. And this lockdown as well. This lockdown because yeah. it's been tougher. I'm I, I I sort of do a spin class. Uh, essentially, I've got a Kaiser bike at home and i uh, have a, a sort of membership to a, a spin to a fitness group called dig me fitness yeah which i've been doing for a couple of years now essentially it's a little bit like peloton in that yeah. you can get on and do spin classes we're okay. on a zoom with 30 40 on last saturday there was 120 people on it all over the wow. world it's brilliant really yeah. great and if i but i have to book that time in yeah because if i don't i won't do it if i book the time in and i make it an appointment in my diary and i yeah. say to annie I'm going to do this then. Does that fit with you? Yeah, fine. Then I do it and I feel a million dollars afterwards. No, I'm, I'm in bits. I'm shattered. But yeah. mentally I go, you know what? It would have been really easy not to do that today, but I made time. I put it into my diary. And I think that would be one of my sort of, you know, really important things that I've learned about myself. Unless I, I, I make a point of putting it in my diary and I'm really strict about that, it's so easy to just go, oh, I can't be bothered or yeah, exactly. let other things get in the way or find an excuse to not do it. Yeah, definitely. And, I, and there's, there's science that backs this up. You know, if we, if, irrespective of whether it's fitness, you put something in your calendar, you're more inclined to show up for it. You're more inclined to do it. And I say to a lot of guys that are in my community, do that. And, and even if at the time when you get that alert that you can't do that, you know that that's been scheduled. So just move it to a time in your day where it is more mm. convenient but don't not do it. And I don't, I don't know how it is for you, Ben, but definitely for me, I, I perform way better at work when I'm able to train because it's, it's weird. Even when I'm tired, if I train, I get more revitalized. I'm more present. I'm more focused. And, and it just really, really helps, which is kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. What you would think. I agree. And my, to the point where if I haven't been able to get out or whatever, and I'm getting a bit ratty, I can get ratty at home. And like yeah. we all can, when you're tired and you've been doing tons of bits and pieces and some, the smallest thing can start annoying you. Yeah. Like the boys 
haven't hung their coats up yet again, even though you tell them every bloody day. Yeah. I mean, for heaven's sake, how many times do you have to tell someone? It's like it's the weirdest thing. And yeah. the worst thing is I sound like my dad when I'm doing yeah. it as well, and it drives me mad. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe I did that. I sound like I got and it were and it what what really annoys me is when I say things that my teachers would have said to me as yeah. well. And I think, gee, I, that wowed <laughs> me up so much at the time. Now listen to me. I've become my yeah. own worst nightmare. Yeah. But she will say, you need to get outside. You need to go yeah. and do something. Go and do a session. Go and run. Go and do some weights. Go and go and just do something. And 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 you even if I'm really super tired. And you're right. There are. I think one of the other things and I talked to Jenny a lot about this. Jenny Faulkner, who who I know that uh, I'm sure you're aware is a, is a really into her fitness and running particularly. Yeah. She has a brilliant running pod called Run Pod, and she uh, she works very early mornings on the radio. And one of the things that we've always said is especially if you're working early, you've got to do the exercise before you get home. So find yeah. a way of working, running on the way home or doing the exercise. Because as soon as you get in, if you've not had much sleep, all you want to do is sit down. And then it's really yeah. hard once you've sat down. If you can fit it in, in that journey between work and home, whichever part of the day mm. you do, or on the way to work from home, if you've got showers and the facility to do all that, then I think that that is uh, an app. It's a brilliant trick yeah. to force yourself into the process. And mm. no one ever, ever, ever regrets doing exercise, no matter how right. much or little, no one regrets it. You might hurt yourself or injure yourself, but you still won't regret the fact you've been and done it. You've just yeah. got to live, get, let yourself time to heal. Yeah, um, but you do often, and I've been there and I've done it and I'm someone, you know, I'm sure like you, Darren, lots of people look at you and go, God, it must be so easy for you to put your trainers on and yeah. go and do it because you love it. It's not, it's no easier for us. I still debate all the time with myself. It's like, oh, can, I, <laughs> can I really be bothered to do this? And it's yeah. just that. I don't give myself the option. Trainers yeah. on, get out. Yeah. Get on the bike, roster it in, put it in the diary. Don't let myself have the choice no. because I know that given the choice, often I'll go, oh, do you know what? I'll just have a drink and I'll sit down. Yeah. But if I don't have the choice, I will feel way, way better. Afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it is a real mind game. It, it's a constant mm. internal conversation you have with yourself. And I did a Facebook Live a few months ago. It was dark, it was raining, it was six o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I said to the guys, look, at this point, there is, I have no motivation to go out that door when it's cold, wet and raining. But the way that I play it forward in my mind is that when I come back, I will feel unbelievable for the rest of my Sunday. So, yep. you know, just go out there and do it. It's... um. I think it's that mixture of discipline and control, mm. having the discipline to know that you've done it and being able to feel like you are in control of what it is that your body has to do. Yeah. That you don't give in to that. You know, I'm doing dry January this year and of all the Januaries right. to do it, you know, when yeah. lockdown happened and you kind of think, Oh, for heaven's sake, things aren't bad enough, but I really felt like I needed to do it. I need to give myself those mental tests every now and mm. again, just to prove to myself that I'm the person that makes the choice about, what it yeah. is that I do with my body. Um, professionally, I don't, you know, I get a call. Can you be here? Can you do this? You mm. know, there's not a, the, the, the control that I have is not often in my hands. Yeah. But this is the one side of my yeah. life that I can control my health and fitness. And that's why it's so important to me. Yeah, 100%. So you've, you've taken part, though, in a lot of what you would necessarily call extreme sport events. What is it? do you think that drives you towards doing that? What is it you think that you enjoy about them? Uh, well, so the physical challenge, undoubtedly, being mm -hmm. able to say that I've done it, being able to see if I can do it. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
uh, as ominous and as terrifying and as daunting and as painful as they may well be, um, question it, asking myself that question and being able to respond with the with a positive answer, which is, yeah, I did do it. When I was at school, at the school I moved to, one of the things, I'll never forget this, I'm still haunted by this now, we did a, uh, a sponsored walk, a 50-mile sponsored walk, and I think I was about 11 or 12, and all the boys in the school did it. And um, and it was overnight. And I'll never forget, I came home, I about, got to about 25 miles, and I had gone further than most of my friends, but obviously it was a 50-mile walk, lots of boys doing it and teachers. And I just gave up. And I had, a, I, I can vaguely remember my shins hurting a little bit. I probably had a bit of shin splints or whatever, but I just gave up and I gave up because mentally I wasn't strong enough and I hadn't, right. I was only 11 or 12. Maybe I must've been about 13. So maybe a bit older, but I just mentally hadn't thought through the process that walking for 50 miles, it's yeah. going to be a blooming long time. Yeah. You've got to be, you've got to be able to occupy your mind, which is saying, Oh, just stop, just stop, yeah. just stop, just stop, just stop. This hurts. Just stop. Now I quite relish that challenge because mm. I know that my mind's going to play that trick. Because as your point, it's that mental dialogue that's constantly going on. And I remember coming home and I must have got home about 11 o'clock at night and my brother was at home and my brother said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I got to 25 miles and then I just couldn't go any further. And he couldn't believe it because the only thing he knew about me was all I did was run around, play sport. And in his head, I was going to finish this walk. It was going to be a doddle. It was going to be a piece of cake. You know, it was no challenge whatsoever. And I remember his reaction. He was so shocked that all I thought was I had massively let myself down. But yeah. the realization to me that actually there's expectation beyond that. And that expectation is something that I needed to use. And I doubt now use mm. to push me as well. Yeah. But there is expectation. So when it comes to the, 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 the challenges that I've done, a lot of them have been done in a group. A lot okay. of them have been done with friends that I know we all have to rely and depend on each other yeah. to complete what it is that we're doing. You know, whether that means endless marathons or cycling forever or whatever it might be, but you are never going to doing it on your own would be almost impossible. It's why it's one of the reasons why I think what Eddie, Eddie Izzard does is just remarkable because mm. he's endlessly, endlessly running marathons. And like one he's doing at the moment on a treadmill, for heaven's sake, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just can't begin to imagine how mentally painful that is. Yeah. You just have to take yourself to a place where you time has no concept, I guess. Yeah. But it, there's a, I do it because I love asking myself the question. I love trying to prove yeah. uh, my own mental sort of um, uh, frailties wrong, uh, yeah. the physical challenge, and being with my mates as well. Yeah. I think there's something very special about that sharing. There's nothing like sharing physical and mental pain with some of your no. really good mates um, that bonds you in a way that will keep you bonded for, for forever, really. And that's yeah. quite special. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's the experience, like the shared pain, the shared motivation, you know, support, camaraderie, you know, all that yeah. kind of human connection that we get when we're, when we're, you know, sharing a common goal with people. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really important. And I think... For, I don't know about you, but for me, as you as you get older, it's it's almost like you want to prove to yourself you can still do it. Yeah, you, know, you, you still got that mental capacity because it, it's particularly with endurance sports. I know, you know, in the Ironman, it is it gets to a point where you physically you are fit, 
And then it becomes a mind challenge. Then it all becomes about mind. And like you said with, with Eddie Izzard, if you can just take yourself away from that, what the human body can do is just phenomenal. It is really, really quite phenomenal. And I, and I didn't really appreciate that. Mm. Uh, and when people say, what's your tip if I'm going to go and do a marathon or a long run or whatever, I, I, and the one thing I hold on to now is a phrase that I say to myself quite a lot when I'm in a lot of pain, and that's that the end is inevitable yeah this will stop yeah and my frustration when i think back to 13 year old me who stopped on the walk was that i didn't appreciate that as far as i could tell this 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 mundane process i was going through when i've got a mind that's racing and things were starting to hurt was never going to end this was going to go on forever but of course break it down into the next two miles or the next mile and then the next mile next mile yeah suddenly you're at 30 miles yeah. And then suddenly you think, well, actually, I've got less distance. You know, there are incentives along mm. the way that I would have signposted for myself. Yeah. But I didn't have that experience and the mental sort of agility to be able to process that. Mm. And that that phrase has been hugely important. And it's actually, you know, not just in a physical challenge, but also in sort of if I'm going through, you know, a difficult time mentally or mm. emotionally or professionally, it's about saying to myself, the end is inevitable. This will stop. Yeah. This, this moment of difficulty, this moment of, of trauma will abate and then things will improve. And it's trusting that that will happen is, is, is difficult yeah. because yeah. at times it feels like that darkness is never going to lift. Yeah, but it, it does. Will. Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, like you say, it's understanding it's momentary. You know, the pain and suffering is momentary. Yeah but the, the the benefits and the effects will last you you know almost a lifetime um and you know it's, it's sometimes you know it, that mental resolve that 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 kind of acceptance or that kind of you know just trying to keep yourself motivated is such a strong um habit to develop particularly when you are going through other areas of your life like you say where you're going through struggles you know whether whether Mm. that's work whether that's relationships whether that's family you know understanding that it's just a moment in time and it won't always be like that and I think you know to touch on your point now there's going to be people listening to this are in lockdown who are really struggling mentally and just to understand that it is just a moment in time and it's not nothing's forever you know yeah, I, 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 my, I think one of the reasons I've, I've struggled a bit more with this one than the last one is because the light at the end of the tunnel, let's, let's, let's take the vaccine out of it because obviously yeah. that is what's going to get us through this, which is really positive and the way the government has rolled that out is incredibly commendable. To date, when we're recording this, I think nearly 5 million people have had their first dose of the vaccine, which is, yeah. which is just exactly what we need and we need it to build a pace. Yeah. However, they keep moving the goalpost, right? if someone gives you an end date and they can say schools will go back after half term, Mm. things will start reopening in the beginning of March or whatever, then you can pick that date. It's like the 26th mile in your marathon. It's like the hundredth kilometer in your hundred kilometer bike ride. It's like the fifth kilometer, maybe on your park run that that is your, is your challenge. It gives you the end. And that is really crucial to kind of go, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold yeah. on to that because that's yeah. going to get me through the frustration and the difficulty now. And I, you know, I don't envy the government in any way, shape no, or form no. trying to manage this, but the frustration and the difficulty is they can't be clear about when that's going to end and they can't be clear about how it's going to end. 
and what when it ends what things are going to look like mm. so i totally empathize with everybody that's struggling at the moment because you know the vaccine can't come quick enough because that no, exactly. feels like the only way we're going to get to the point where they can set those parameters which we then can all aim for and keep hold yeah. of which will keep us going yeah you, know, you can't underestimate uh the power of hope yeah absolutely but but i think for for people listening to this perhaps you know at this time we don't have that it, it's just about for me i would say that you just take each day as it comes right it, it's yeah. it's like okay well we've got through today we went out and, and it's taking the positives out of everything right you yeah, you have food on the table, you have a roof over your head, you can go outside and get some fresh air, the sun is shining. And it's really, if, I feel that if you dial in on some of those things, you know, and just accept that we don't yet know. And, that, and I think as humans, our psychology, you know, we, we are very uncomfortable in a situation where we don't know where the end is or when there is going to be an outcome, right? So mm. I think it's, it's, you know, dialing it back to, to real basic, simple stuff is take that opportunity to go outside every day, take that opportunity to do 10,000 steps or just run around in the park or whatever, you know, just really try and maximize yourself and do what you can control. Yeah. My, my, uh, yeah. My, my, my mum and dad are 75 and 76. My dad has a heart issue and they've just been offered a, a vaccine, which is great because my dad's underlying health condition and that's going to be in a couple of weeks. Yeah but they are being very careful they are shielding yeah. because we don't want to take any risks and because of my dad's heart condition he needs to keep up his exercise so he's he's currently doing seven thousand steps around the garden every day awesome awesome and he's and he's just doing it because he's got to and i think that he is uh thriving on the challenge now yeah. now he's done it for the last however long he's keeping up he's like i'm not going to let this beat me i'm going to make sure till he gets to the point where he can have his vaccine and then he can yeah. start extending where he walks you know yeah. and um i think i think it's really you're you're absolutely bang on darren just stripping things down to those small gains each day mm. to remind yourselves that that you know we we might not know when that end point no. is at the minute but there are small victories every single day yeah um definitely. and and you know and don't beat yourself up if you maybe eat a bit too much one day or you perhaps yeah. don't do any exercise that day. Just, you know, there's, and tomorrow's going to come and you can go again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. So Ben, what would you say are five things that you could say to the listeners today that, that, that they maybe could incorporate into their lives, even in the lockdown scenario that we're in right now to, to kind of just take themselves that one step forward to, 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 to lean a bit more of a healthier lifestyle? Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> Uh, five things okay so uh the first thing i would say is you know you can't it's just so easy to it's so easy to to say this but mm. is it easy to do give yourself a bit of time off from your screen undoubtedly yeah. i think we're all wedded to ipads to iphones to android yeah. phones to tvs to whatever give yourself a little bit of time off and give your mind a little bit of exposure to just drifting and daydreaming I think that's a really, really important part of life, allowing yourself a bit of headspace. I just feel like sometimes there's no bandwidth. I don't have any band. I don't have enough bandwidth for everything yeah. I'm having to absorb. Um, I think that can really help. I think taking yourself out at least once a day. Well, at the moment you're only allowed to do once a day, but sort of if you've got some space in the garden, be out as yeah. much as you can. But but don't underestimate what a difference 
even 15 minutes walking down the road and back can make uh, just a change of scene, a change of environment. Think about the food that you're eating um, and, and sort of consider making small changes here and there, because that can, that can absolutely help um, sort of change your mindset about only eating stuff that perhaps doesn't help your mood. It might help you initially, but then perhaps once you've consumed it might not yeah, really work exactly. so much you know it's yeah. always really lovely to take that to eat that extra portion of something rather isn't it it's great but <laughs> yeah you know you can often fill yourself with a bit of self-loathing if you have done that yeah and if you have done that which isn't the end of the world obviously you know compensate by going and walking a bit faster the next day or or running a bit yeah. further the next day yeah. one I, undoubtedly i have um trained as hard and as often for the reasons we've talked about but also so i don't need to worry Mm. about what i'm eating and what i'm drinking if i would like to have the burger i can have the burger if i want to have another pint i will have another pint i don't ever want to make dietary decisions uh if i'm with friends or whatever on the back of oh i know i can't have that because you know it's probably not so good for me if i want to have a dessert i'll have a dessert whatever and now i know is I'll work really hard. I work really yeah. hard for to have the capacity to make sure that happens. I know it's not as easy for everybody to do that, but yeah. that's one of my drivers. Yeah. If I want to be able to eat those things, I'm going to work hard to make sure I can. So I don't yeah. have to um, give myself a hard time uh, regarding that. Um, I think what I think the other thing that I, that I think I've, that has really helped me is finding, finding people that inspire you. Yeah. You know, whether that be on social media or on television or in literature and books and whatever, find someone. If, if you see something that you really that really pricks something in your consciousness or your imagination or whatever, you think, oh, that's interesting. Find out who that person is and go and look a little bit more into them. So much of um, of like the boys, for example, Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics that you mentioned. Yeah. I found Tim and Jacko on Instagram. Okay. And I watched what they were doing and I absolutely loved their approach, their style, yeah. their enthusiasm, their passion, their, uh, the graduation that you saw their, their students go through. Um, and, and I found that really, really inspiring. Yeah. And, 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 and that sort of governs a lot of my training now is, right. you know, I see somebody on Instagram or I see someone on YouTube or I see someone, someone go, that was brilliant. How have they done that? look into that. And I use that to inspire me to go and do something. Yeah. You know, there is so much out there. There were so many free offerings from people mm. um, that no matter what anybody's fitness and health background, there is help out there to try and yeah. improve their position. Undoubtedly, you've just got to try and find it. You've just got to yeah. be, you've got to be engaged enough to want to find it as well. Yeah. Um, and, and as, as hard as it is to say, and I think, sorry, as easy as it is to say, I know it's not as easy to do, yeah. but sleep. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I didn't need any sleep. I'd be up first thing. I'd be fed as late <laughs> as I possibly could. Yeah. As an adult now, when sleep is at a premium, I, I realize just how important it is that I get enough sleep and good sleep. Yeah. My wife doesn't sleep particularly well. And, and if I could give anything to her it would be the capacity to lie down, fall asleep and have a yeah. good night's sleep in some, some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to find a decent routine in the evening 
that allows you to get enough sleep so you can rev up the next day and, and you can be efficient with what you do and how you go about it. If I've had enough sleep, if I've had enough sleep, nothing is a problem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, it, some, yeah. and sometimes, sometimes that's not possible because no. sometimes you're working late or sometimes things have happened or whatever. So I get that. I get that. So my, my default is there is if I haven't had enough sleep, I can benefit because I keep myself very fit. So I don't need as much sleep, but yeah. the two things go hand in hand. But, but if you can find a way of prioritizing and making sure that you give enough respect to the need for good sleep. Yeah. Um, and you know, it sounds really boring, doesn't it? it because does. we've got, yeah. Life's about living, but, you know, living is so much more fun when you've been able to have a decent night's sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the simple things that we overlook, isn't it? You know, things like hydration, things like sleep, you know, we all want to, we all want the next big thing or particularly men, they all want the new whiz bang thing. Right. Uh, and, and they want it now. We want it to be and, quick. Yeah. We want it to happen now. We're too impatient. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's me but, all over, honestly, Darren. Yeah, exactly. I think we're all wired the same, Ben, to be honest. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about hydration because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I imagine we're sort of um, similar age. You might be a bit younger than me. But the problem I have now, if I overhydrate, is blooming getting up to go to the loo in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the night. I mean, for heaven's yeah. sake, I never thought that was going to be an issue. Yeah. I can remember in my 20s, I could have a skin fall, fall asleep, yeah. wake up first thing in the morning. I saw a brilliant Michael McIntyre sketch on this and he was going, right. you know, he'd, he'd wake up in his 20s first thing in the morning, desperate for a wee. And his, 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 his daddy would say, yeah, that's all right, Mikey, go back to bed for it. Go back to sleep for a couple of hours. I'll wake you when I really need to go. Yeah. Now it's like in the middle of the night, you wake up. I probably only had half a glass of water. It's yeah. like, you got to get to the loo now. Yeah. I mean, for heaven's sake, how has my body got to the point <laughs> where I, it's something that's supposed to be good for me. Like keeping yeah. my hydration is so important yeah. to stay healthy. It wakes me up in the middle of the night to go and yeah. dribble a bit and then go, and then he's like, oh God, this is such hard work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Drives me yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm exactly the same. I'm a similar race to you. And yeah, I think it is an age thing. And yeah, unfortunately, oh. I have half a glass of water before I go to bed. I know two o'clock in the morning, I'm up. <laughs> yeah, I just like, what? Oh God, yeah. for heaven's sake, the bladder and the prostate. What a pain, literally yeah, in the indeed. So what's um, what's next for you, Ben, on the work front or any kind of sporting events when kind of we come out of lockdown? So we've got um, work wise, we are about I've got a, a couple of productions that are about to happen. Right. I've helped set up a production company, um, which we've got, I think, one, two, three shows going into production at the same time. So Tipping Point series. 12 i think goes right. into production in march at the same time as we start filming lingo and uh, another show as well that we're creating for, for channel four so there's a, an awful lot of work going to happen at the same time right. typically you can't yeah. spread these things out nicely everything has to happen at the same time but tipping points are an interesting sort of proposition because we film 165 episodes in a series mm -hmm. so it's four shows a day when we're filming most days uh, and we film it down in Bristol. So I'm not at home. I live in London, right. but I'm not at home. And and that's that's exact that's a prime example of why I need to stay fit and healthy. Because yeah. in order to to do the job the best as I possibly do the job, because the contestants come in, it's their one chance of doing this. Mm. Uh, so I want to make sure that they all have the most brilliant time because the more they enjoy it, the better the show will be, the better the show is, the more people enjoy watching it, the yeah. more we get to make, right? Mm -hmm. So um so I sort of take great pride and, and sort of take that responsibility very seriously. 
Um, but that's a bit of a marathon effort. That's coming up in March. In terms of physical challenges, we're doing a, I think the guys that I ride the, the Kaiser bikes with, with Digme, we're going to do a, a hundred kilometer. <laughs> and even the thought of it is killing me on a, on a spin bike, a hundred right. kilometer ride in a few weeks on Saturday, in a few Saturdays time, awesome. uh, which is to raise money for our local hospital mm -hmm. uh, to all of us uh, to help refurb their bike sheds. A lot of the awesome. NHS workers there are cycling to work, but the bike sheds keep getting raided because they're not secure enough and they right. come out after a, an incredibly hard shift and their bikes being nicked. Wow. So, so we're going to try and raise as much money as we can to help facilitate that. Okay. That's the next big physical challenge. But, you know, I, I just cycle. I really like a short spin class because it's really intense. Yeah. Cycling is really painful on my ass. It, I, my my <laughs> body was not I'm not a cyclist. I was not designed to be a cyclist. Give me 40 minutes or an hour. Yeah. So 100 kilometers on a static bike. I'm going to be I'm going to be in agony. I'm going to yeah. be wobbling all over the show. I'm going to need some serious massage. I wonder if my <laughs> wife will be up for that afterwards to try and get the blood back to my back end. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I know, I know the feeling I've got a five hour ride to do tomorrow. So, um, well, that's it then. Yeah, how far will you go in five hours? Sorry. How far will you go in five hours? I'll probably do about 150 K in five hours. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. See, so, so, so the distance is great. One of the things I do think that helps about being outside is the, the scenery is changing, yeah. ever changing scenery. Yeah. I'm going to be looking at my iPad and the other 50 yeah. blokes looking back at me sweating yeah. <laughs> or however long it is four hours five hours whatever yeah. we end up doing but you'll, you'll feel good once you've done it so exactly that's what i'm holding on to when yeah, i keep exactly. toying with the idea of whether i really need to do it i keep thinking you know what it the, by the time it gets to sort of lunchtime and we finished it it will be well worth the pain we'll have been through from getting yeah. up first thing and, and going Absolutely. through the day yeah awesome well I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Ben. It's been great chatting to you. Um, but before I let you go, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel I should have asked you? Um, no, not not especially, Darren. I think that we've covered most things. I just, you know, if if any of your podcast listeners are sort of, you know, dealing, all, all I would say is that right now, particularly, it's really easy to be uh, very self-critical, to be really harsh mm. on on what you're eating, what you're doing, your fitness, your behavior, all those sorts of things. Just go easy on yourselves right now. If ever we need an excuse to sort of give ourselves a bit of space, it is now. And it's never too late to make a difference. You know, yeah. it's never too late to take that first step. And no matter how hard that first step, every step after the first one gets easier and easier. Yeah, definitely. That's a great note to end on, Ben. Thank you very much again. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on again in the future. Great stuff, Darren. Cheers. Good luck with Thanks. the ride. Thanks. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fitter Healthier Dad podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe. And I would really appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes. All the links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. And a full transcription is over at fitterhealthierdad.com.